You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome. You're listening to the Golf Under Par podcast. As the title suggests, on the Gov, we talk about all things relating to golf performance so you can golf under par. While listening, you'll hear discussion on all facets of golf, physical, mental, and whatever else will make you a better golfer. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough. I'm a golfer myself, as well as a physical therapist and strength coach. Let's take this journey together to golf under par. Thank you for listening. Now let's dive in. Welcome, guys, to the Golf Under Par podcast. Super excited for today's episode. We've got guest Jeff Pelizzaro here. You probably recognize the name. All right, so he's been listed as Golf Digest 50, top 50 best golf fitness professionals. He's also the host of probably one of the most popular podcasts for golf fitness, the 18 Strong Podcast. All right, he's also an author of the golf, Golfer's Guide to Bogey Proof Workout. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you so much for being here, man. You got it, brother. Thanks for having me. Super excited to have you on here. Um, you know, it's one of those uh, reaching for for those that you idolize kind of a thing to hear your voice so much. It's like awesome to be able to actually kind of connect with you and we'll say in person, virtually, digitally. Well, it's great um, to be here, man. I, I know I know the feeling there when you're talking to somebody that you've listened to for a little while and it's a little little bit weird hearing their voice and and seeing their face. It's so I, I can completely appreciate the situation. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much. We'll go ahead and start diving into the questions. We've got some questions that I generated because things that I wanted to know from you. And we got a couple of listeners questions here as well. But first off, I think everybody, you know, catches bits and pieces of your story um, through the 18 pod, 18 strong podcast. But what is, what kind of got you into golf? So I really didn't get into golf until I was around 28 years old and when I started working with golfers. So my background is went to school, born and raised in St. Louis, went to school in Kansas City at Rockhurst University, got my undergrad in psychology and then got my graduate degree, my master's in physical therapy, worked in the clinic for six years, um, you know, neck pain, back pain, your typical orthopedic clinic, um, but was in a a big surgery center and they had, we had a physical therapy department. We had kind of a community gym, surgery center, all, all of these different entities in there. And there was a a woman who had toured with the PGA tour, uh, with in the fitness realm. So she was from St. Louis, moved back to St. Louis and her name's Allison TG. And she started a golf fitness company called motion memory golf. And, Long story short, we started working together. I, I was in the clinic. We kind of shared clients and patients, and I ended up changing jobs, changing career paths, really, switching from my job as a director of a physical therapy clinic, taking this huge leap of faith to go work for this golf fitness company. And um, so the mesh was that, you know, I had this background in, you know, 
the way the body moves, the way the body heals, you know, getting people back to back to normal after an injury and, and looking at joints and muscles and things like that. And, and the way things should be happening in, with the body. And she had a lot of golfers that she was working with, top golfers in St. Louis as well. It's just a lot of guys that played at the country clubs. And so I jumped over thinking, you know, I, I know the body, so I kind of know what I need to do to get them moving better. But I didn't really know a whole lot of, about golf. I had probably played less than a handful of my own 18 hole rounds. Um, I played some charity scrambles and beer drinking golf events, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, I, I mean, I caught the bug. I got hooked. I started to, to really dig into the game. I started to love it. I started to play more. And then long story short, uh, that was 2008 when that happened. And then long story short, I really got involved, really started to love it. And then, um, she actually ended up getting married, moving out of town. So I kind of went in my own direction, kind of rebranded, and 18 Strong started a little bit later, but ultimately that's what got me into to really loving the game of golf. And then I just kind of took it and went from there. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, you're just doing fitness in that, in that role, right? Not yeah. Therapy. Yeah. I don't do traditional clinical physical therapy anymore. I mean, obviously yeah. it's kind of funny because the, the lines are so blurred now, as far as, you know, like what, what fitness trainers are doing and, and how knowledgeable a lot of, of them have become. Um, and so the line between like therapy and fitness is really meshing together. And I think even like the line between chiropractor and physical therapist is even kind of meshing together very much. Um, so it, it's all very much rehabilitative, preventative, and then also, you know, performance-based training. And yeah, so I'm, I'm more on that performance-based side. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I do a little bit of that both there too. And I agree, you know, especially you start talking about, you know, the early rehab. Yeah. That's very, a pretty big, big difference between your fitness training and, and the physical therapy, but you know, you stuff will get to, okay, we're trying to improve your, your performance on the course, or we're in that mix of, okay, you're starting to get back into golf. Well, you got to focus on some of that fitness stuff. So there's definitely a big overlap and mesh there, like you said. Exactly. And so, I mean, like what golfer doesn't have some sort of aches and pains and issues that you're trying to work through all of the time. So it's, it's kind of like, you're always doing some of those, rehabilitative exercises, corrective exercises, but you, you just kind of figure out how to work that into your traditional and regular strength training program for these guys and girls. Yeah. And speaking of the strength training program, so what are so, you know, some of the big mistakes that you see with golfers with, with regards to like their golf fitness programs and whatnot? Um, I think one of the key words there is strength. Many of them don't put any emphasis on strength and they come in with this notion of I need to be more flexible and every exercise that I do needs to look like a golf swing. I mean, that's kind of the biggest thing that I see and have heard from people like, Oh, I really need to, to come see you so I can get a better, better turn in my backswing. Need you to stretch me out a little bit. And I'm like, that's, that's not going to do it. You know, we need, you need to get stronger. You need to be able to, to actively move your own body and control your own movements. Uh, you know, me just tugging on you isn't going to do anything. Um, so, you know, them thinking that it's all about just getting more flexible and that somehow there's a magic exercise that only turns on golf muscles is uh, another thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, I think a lot of people think uh, in order to be good at swinging a golf club, you have to do movements that look like swinging a golf club, but that's not necessarily the case. Right. So I mean, muscles are muscles and muscles work in patterns and not necessarily and isolated and whatnot. So I agree with that really focusing on that strength. And we go back to, you know, just your standard strengthening 
that you see with, we'll say, bodybuilders or Olympic lifters or, or whatever it may be, um, that kind of generic of getting strong is definitely necessary because uh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I see all the time. I tell, I tell a lot of, of my golfers or even people that are asking me, you know, about my program, like if, if somebody came and just was like peeking in the window at one of our, the training sessions that I'm doing with a person, with a client in person, like they might not be able to tell if that person's a golfer or, you know, a baseball player or just uh, a CEO, you know, like it's, we're working on some basic fundamental movement patterns. We're getting their body more resilient, able to adapt to whatever comes at them on the course and off the course. I think that, you know, many of us think of golf fitness and it has to be that it's just zeroed in on improving your golf ability. But I mean, 99% of the people playing golf are not playing golf for profession or they're not trying to win a USGA title or anything like that. These are people that have jobs and kids and families. And so their sessions with me or if they're doing a program that we have online, if it's going to take up time in their, their week, it needs to be able to do more than just, you know, give them five miles an hour on their swing speed. It better allow them to get up and down off the floor more or, you know, be able to, to lift some heavier weight if they have to, to do something that requires that and not get hurt. Yeah. I mean, I just saw a gentleman the other day uh, and came in back all flared out because they tried to pick up the three-year-old, you know, and it's like, okay, we have to make you strong enough to, you can do what you need to do with your kids. Yeah. You want to go play your, your 18, right? 18 holes, but you know, you still got kids you got to take care of. You got to be able to pick them up. So I think that resiliency that you mentioned is, is huge. And because, you know, mobility gets you so far, but that strength builds that resiliency and allows you to do all these things playing uh, a round of golf and whatnot. So I a hundred percent agree. So with that, what is like if I think you kind of already alluded to this, but so what, what is one thing that you would have a golfer focus on if they could only really do focus on one thing to improve their golf fitness? So one of the big things that I think has made such a huge difference for a lot of a lot of our golfers, again, given the fact that most of them are, you know, either at an office all day or they have some you know, job that requires them to either sit or be in a, a position for a long period of time. And so they lose some of the the natural ability for their body to move. Uh, you know, they move, they lose some of their posture. So all of those things can just kind of continue to snowball into to bad things happening on the golf course. So I, w- I would say the first thing, first and foremost, would be just to get them moving a little bit more on a r- more regular basis. So, you know, we've, We've implemented with all of our online courses what we call our our daily motion routine. For those that are familiar with functional anatomy seminars or FRC, it's very much based on the CARS principle and doing some of that along, you know, just joint motions, um, neck circles, shoulder circles, and they sound like very simple things. Uh, but we like to get our golfers getting all their joints moving, and then we throw in some some more specific ones that we know that our golfers are going to need, but just getting the joints moving on a more regular basis. So they're able to handle more stress out on the course. They're able to improve their motion a little bit. They're able to improve their posture. So that has made a huge difference as far as like just getting rid of some joint pain and neck issues and back issues for people. So that's where I would say, if I'm going to give them one thing, I'm going to give them something like that, something simple that they can do very easily. The second thing, if I got to pick two, I know you only gave me one, but if I get to pick two is then to get them on a good structured 
training program that just goes through some basic movement patterns where they're able to kind of progress and push themselves a little bit to improve some of that muscular strength, improve the, their their joints abilities to handle a little bit of tension and stress. Uh, because I think, again, those it's that kind of stuff, building those foundations that ultimately then allow you to swing a club faster or better or more balanced. Yeah, no, I agree with that variability came into huge effect for me uh, at the start of all this quarantining and the pandemic and whatnot, you know, started sitting for a period, more period of time in front of my computer and, you know, and had a weekend where I was like, my back is really stiff and it kind of almost locked up on me. And I was like, what the heck? I'm all, I just turned 30. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I shouldn't be having this. And I was like, okay, I know what my problem is. It's sitting too much. And so I just started, you know, more regularly getting up, going through just some simple like sun salutations basically. Uh, letting my back kind of just go through a different variable, uh, a variety of movements there. And that, you know, cleared that up. So, and then obviously, you know, being more focused on my training so that I can be better at sitting for a little bit longer time without having that issue. So I, I, I think those are both two excellent points. Well, something yeah. that, something I take for granted often, and you might too, because our, you know, we're typically at our jobs, we're on our feet, we're moving around, we're doing things with people all day long. So I'm not, you know, unless I'm podcasting or like same deal with me, I've been in this chair a lot over the, these last, you know, 10 weeks or whatever being on the computer and, and it has, it's, it's a different toll on my body and we don't always have that. You know, we're not guys that are sitting at a computer all day long, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. So sometimes I forget how much my clients need just those basic movements and they need to, you know, maybe set a timer for every hour of the day to just get up and do a little bit of movement or get up and walk out of their office just to change positions. I've got one guy that he stands now at a, at a desk and he's complaining about, you know, different issues. And I'm like, well, are you, do you ever sit down? You know, because now sitting has become like this, you can never sit again. Everybody needs a stand up desk. Well, now he's just standing for 60 hours a week. And I'm like, no, you, you could sit down and that's going to change things up a little bit too and give your body a little break. So, um, but yeah, it's something that I have really kind of taken for granted being on my feet all the time. Now that I'm in a chair, like you were saying, it's, it's, you feel it. It's, it's definitely a very important thing that we tend to tend to neglect. Mm -hmm. So real fast, you mentioned the, the structured training program. So what would, what would be some of the big keys that you would want to make sure that somebody incorporates into that strength training program? Really just, I mean, our programs are, are very, very simply structured. Typically you'll have some sort of pushing motion, some sort of pulling motion, some sort of hinging uh, or more of a, like a hip dominant exercise. We'll do something in regards to like squatting or lunging, um, alternating between, uh, a bilateral, you know, like a, a squat where you're squatting down on both legs and, and then also doing some unilateral stuff where it's, it's lunge walks or split squats. And then same thing, upper body wise, sometimes we'll use both arms. Sometimes we'll use one arm and just bringing in a lot of the same principles as far as those basic movements, but you can then vary off of those a lot by doing, you know, single arm or rotating, keeping one part of the body still and rotating, changing up angles. And again, it's all about, you know, creating that, that ability to adapt and be resilient because your body has handled all these different positions and angles and stresses at a different point in your, in your workout program. But it's all based on kind of the, the same pillars almost every single time. Yeah. And so it sounds like there's some Dan John influence there. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And yeah. you know, it, it's yeah. interesting because I didn't originally get it from, from Dan John. I think I got it from some of the other people that have been on my podcast and just people that I've learned from over the years that were very influenced by Dan John. My background is not strength and conditioning. You know, again, it's more the, the PT and then kind of getting straight into the golf, golf fitness stuff. Um, but then through the podcast, which has been invaluable, like what you're doing, being able to talk to so many great people that have so much experience and expertise that I, I mean, I, I tried to boil down as much as I can from those, those conversations that I've had. And I've, I've just kept seeing like, this is what the best strength coaches in the world do. You know, they, they could talk to the most minute points, but if they really just sit back and they, most of them try to simplify it as much as possible. Yeah. And you see it like, it's really more the the simple steps that are consistently done is really what leads to that greatness or that achievement that you're really looking for. It doesn't matter whether it's strength training or just your day-to-day profession, professional work or in whatever aspect that is. So definitely agree. So we kind of mentioned that. So I guess what's kind of been one of your biggest influences on your kind of training philosophy? Um, so it's interesting because of, of having so many interviews and, and being able, sometimes it's tough, you know, sometimes you get, you get these different people on that have slightly different views. And so you get so many different opinions, you get so many different insights and they all make sense because all these people are very smart and very good at what they do. And so, you know, trying to, that's something that over the years I've really tried to figure out like, okay, where, where does my personal knowledge come in? And where does the knowledge that I'm gaining from these people come in and how can I utilize it and not confuse myself or my, my clientele? Um, I would say that, you know, some of my biggest influences are the guys from TPI, you know, Jason Glass, Lance Gill, Greg Rose, Dave Phillips. I, I've learned so much from them and, and just going through some of their, their courses. Um, I've also learned a lot just obviously from my, my background in physical therapy, just some of the traditional, you know, textbook style learning stuff that, that kids don't have anymore. It's all on, you know, all the online stuff. But then um, I've been fortunate enough to, to work very closely here in St. Louis with a guy by the name of Tony Soib, who he's, he's worked with, you know, guys that played for the Rams, um, guys that played for the Blues, the Cardinals. And he's just one of those guys, almost like a savant that just like retains and has, has been in the strength and conditioning world you know, I think since he was like 14, he's been reading strength and conditioning journals and stuff like that. But just one of those guys that can can retain anything that he reads. He can read super fast and he's worked with some some incredible athletes. So like when I have like strength and conditioning questions, nutrition questions, I'm lucky enough to have him here in St. Louis. We've become really, really good friends. He actually helps us design some of our online stuff for 18 Strong, some of the back end of our, our coaching programs. Um, so he's been a huge, huge asset to me and helped me. Uh, he writes a lot of my personal programs. So I, I learned by just seeing the way that he writes programs. So I would say he's been a huge influence of mine. And that was Tony. Soib. Tony Soib, S-O-A-I-B. He's a, he's a mystery man on the internet. You won't find a whole lot of him online, but um, he's been on, in fact, on the 18 strong podcast. We've, we've done quite a few episodes. We call them our shouts from the crowd episode. Yeah. And it's, it's Tony and I sitting in a room answering questions from the audience um, or, you know, just questions that we've encountered in the gym. So we'll, there's quite a few of those on there. He's had a couple of special guest interviews on there as well. But you'll see a lot more of him um, from in 18 Strong as, as things progress here in the next year or two. 
I thought I recognized that name. I just couldn't couldn't place it. And I think that's where uh, the shouts from the crowd. Yep. Uh, very cool. Uh, so we had a we have one listener question here that I wanted to to ask. And that was specifically regarding training. And since we're talking about that, we'll go ahead and throw it in here. The they were we'd been discussing in in, in the group, uh, my Facebook group here, Golf Fitness Tips, and that about the connection of clubhead speed with vertical jump. And the question was, is what would be your recommendation for someone that's looking to increase that vertical jump to help improve their club head speed? Um, so it's interesting because I'm very cautious when it comes to any kind of like power training, plyometric type training, um, when not knowing what that person is capable of, what level they start at. Uh, it's just like, you know, not wanting somebody to just walk into a gym and start throwing a medicine ball because they want to, they want to increase their swing speed. So, um, with that being said, you know, you just be very careful with what you're trying to do. Um, I honestly to don't work on vertical jump with a lot of my clients because a lot of them just aren't at that. You know, I have a lot of guys that are sixties, seventies, and that's the least of their concerns is their vertical jump to increase their swing speed. Now, with that being said, um, one of the best ways to, to work on, you know, just power in general is first of all, make sure that you're not trying to do that at a point in your workout when you're tired, because, you know, I, I see a lot of people implementing plyometrics and box jumps in like multiple repetitive fashion, you know, do box jumps for 30 seconds to a minute. It's like, that's, first of all, that's a good way to hurt yourself because your, your form is going to break down. But if you're working on, you know, increasing your, your power in a movement like that, that has to be done. First of all, when you're pretty fresh, because you can't get faster or more powerful when you're tired. You know, if you're looking to improve that, that speed and power, you want to be pretty, pretty fresh and have a lot of energy back in your system. So you're not going to do something power related or, or jump related at the end of your workout, expecting to improve that. So I would say, first of all, start out with it at the beginning of, of your workout. And, you know, for safety concerns, I would even work on making sure that you're landing properly first, make sure you, you have that part down, but then work on, you know, maybe one explosive jump, land, take your time, get reset, and then go again and just do, you know, three to five of those at a time. Um, you can mix those in with some, some heavier lifts like squats or, uh, you know, some hex bar squats or things like that to, to kind of alternate between a power, uh, a strength move and a power move. But then again, you need to give yourself quite a bit of time to, to rest and recuperate and recover. Most people, when they, when they see somebody doing like a power workout, they'll see that there's a huge amount of rest time. Most people don't work out the way that they need to, if they're trying to improve their power. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, that's what I always tell people is power. When you're doing power drills, specifically to gain speed or, and, and power, then, the fatigue is, isn't the goal ever, ever. Right? You should, you should get tired No, when you're doing it, you know, after depending on what you're doing, you know, if it's like throwing a med ball, you can probably get up to 10, maybe 12, but very rarely are you going to go much higher than that. Almost never. Right. right? So it's always going to be that you mentioned three to five on, on some of the jumps and you know, that is what you're doing. And that's always before you do your strength training or whatever. Uh, and so that you're not, fatigued or tired when you're doing it because then you're not going to have the same output with it. You know, it's interesting because coming out of physical therapy school, even when I got into the golf fitness stuff, like I didn't understand that 
you know, I, I didn't come from a, a world of where I was learning, you know, the way that an athlete really trains and how they really build speed and power. And that's where going back to having Tony there in, in my corner, being able to ask him, well, like, why is that so important? You know, why can't you just go and do 20 box jumps? Why doesn't that make you a better jumper? You know, it's like, no, you have to, you have to train your body in the proper situation for that. And, and the way that I see a lot of people using box jumps and plyometrics is absolutely the wrong way that they should be, should be used. Yeah. Now I, I mean, your first point was there's a risk reward to it. Right. And so with that jumping, you older, older population, there's more risk than there is reward for it. So find something else. Um, something that I like to supplement there would be like a caveman, uh, you know, plyometric, or not plyometric, uh, med ball throw. Right. So you're right. just going between the legs and then throwing it up in the air. Yep. There's no landing required. Right. And as long as you can get your arms up, up above your head, you get that ball up there. Right. So something very simple that allows you to generate that power that you're looking for, but still minimize any risk with it. Exactly. You know, and when we're working with, because we do like to build in, especially in our online programs, we know that that's a, an important piece that even the the aging golfer, you know, still needs to have a little bit of that pop, right? And I think that it's it's good for us to try to even bring that back to some of those guys that haven't done something like that in many years. And so that could be as simple as just, you know, like putting in something in one of their workouts towards the beginning, or even maybe in their warm up a little bit, just to kind of get them to do a little bit of that kind of stuff, maybe like a little lateral jump where it's, you know, they're not jumping real far, but the goal is let's, let's just kind of get you almost bounding side to side and just kind of feel that a little bit. Could even just be like a little up and down jump just to kind of get that spring in your, in your joints, but it doesn't have to be jumping up onto a box or anything where you're putting them at risk. Cause that's, that's the biggest thing, risk first reward. And most people, the risk of, of trying to do like a box jump or something doesn't, doesn't outweigh the reward. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. So what when we've kind of talked on this a little bit, uh the Aging Strong podcast and what's been some of your favorite interviews or some of your favorite people to interview? One that always comes to mind right out of the gate is a guy by the name of Ed Milet. And he is one of the most inspirational people that I've ever had a chance to talk to. He, his podcast is huge. He's, he's worked with, you know, some of the best athletes in the world, some of the best CEOs and business people in the world. And so he's very much a high performance coach, kind of a, has a little Tony Robbins to him, but he's, he's very intense. Um, and so I had been listening to him for a while and, and through, I don't even know how exactly it ended up happening. The stars all aligned and I was able to get him on the show, but he's episode number 216, I believe on the 18 strong podcast. And it was just one of the, one of the most interesting conversations I've ever had. We talked about visual and he, he loves the game of golf too. So we talked, you know, visualization and he's friends with Zach Johnson, had him on the show. And, and so just a lot of that, that mindset and, the, the idea of self-confidence and how, how you build self-confidence in, in any walk of life. So he's one of my favorite. I really loved my interview with Michael Breed, uh, the, the golf instructor. Um, I, I forget what network he's on. He used to be on the golf channel, but he was a fascinating interview and it went in di a different direction than I expected. I figured we'd be talking a lot of 
you know, he's always the kind of the gadget guy on, on his show, but he has to be for, for show purposes. Um, and we got into a lot of different things about, you know, the idea of gratitude behind the game and some, some really cool things there. Um, and then one other group of guys that I've been, have now connected with very much is, uh, the guys from the lost art of golf. In fact, I, I should introduce you to them and have you get them on, on the show because they, they speak about Carl Morris and, and Gary Nickel. They are from Carl's from the UK. Gary's over in Scotland and they wrote two books so far, the lost art of putting and the lost art of playing golf. And, um, you would expect them to be like very technical books, but they're, again, they're very anti-technical and it's all about kind of, you know, the, your philosophy behind how you play the game and how you put, and it's totally changed my mind or changed my outlook on how to, to practice with a purpose for the game of golf. I've really, really enjoyed learning from those guys. All right. I can attest to actually all of those. I think I've heard all of those ones there, uh, but you turned me on to Ed Milet and, he is. He is all in your face, even through the podcast. He's just like, wow, um, he's definitely on. And I, I remember Michael Breed, I, I felt the same thing you were saying. Like, I remember being like, oh, this is not exactly what I expected when I started listening to the podcast, because he definitely goes into just about the game and how, um, <clears throat> how you know, things turn for his life, too. Um, and it's all come back to that gratitude, like you said. Yeah, but, he's got an amazing story. Worked at Augusta back in the day and, and how that whole thing came about. It was very, very entertaining. Yeah, very good. And I have to recap the last start of golf, and I remember that one, but I don't remember very well what those guys were talking about. So I'd definitely like to connect with them and, and get them on. So it'd be great. So that leads us into a couple of the questions that I always ask people um, as I wrap it up here. Uh, so what's your, I guess, who who would you recommend that we have on the podcast since we were just talking about that? Oh, well, I'll all the people that I just mentioned there. Um, but I would say definitely we'll, we'll definitely get Carl and Gary on the show. I'll, I'll introduce you to them for sure. And they'd be happy to do it. Um, and, and I think they're just such a, it's such a refreshing thought process when it comes to, you know, not getting bogged down and going out and banging balls and getting so caught up in making the perfect swing um, that, they're just they're great guys to chat with and learn about or learn from they've worked with Ryder cup players they've worked with Ryder cup captains um just two phenomenal phenomenal guys plus they have cool accents <laughs> right so it always makes it a little bit more entertaining to, to listen to right definitely conversation with. so the other question i ask everybody is what's your favorite uh, course or golf memory i think i had to think about this one a little bit but I am now 42 years old. Uh, I turned 40 in May, um, you know, May of whatever that was, 2018. And my buddies, in, three of my buddies who all of them turned 40 right within, you know, three weeks of me, college friends, actually high school friends as well. And we went down to Branson, Missouri, which many people will think sounds funny going to Branson. But if you haven't heard uh, about what, the uh, the Big Cedar Lodge or Bass Pro Johnny Morris the the owner of Bass Pro what he's doing down in Branson Missouri it's becoming a golf mecca and so we went down and we played um, we played a round of golf eighteen holes in the morning the first day and then that afternoon we went and played Gary Player designed a thirteen hole golf co- golf course only a, a par three. You can only walk it. It's at the highest point of the property. You're in the Ozark Mountains. 
and it, I mean, you feel like you're over in Europe somewhere and it's, it was just the four of us. We were the only guys on the course, you know, we had lunch, had a couple of beers at the clubhouse and then went out and they were like, just go have fun. You guys walk, hit shots from wherever you want, take your time. It was like the most relaxed, most beautiful round of golf, best golf experience I've had to this day. It, it, it's, it still blows my mind and I want to get big, get back down there. They now have two more courses. Tiger Woods is designing a course down there. And another course was just designed by uh, Bill, Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw. And that one's, that one's open now. So they're, they're making this into an incredible facility. That's cool. I, I really like the fact that it was 13 holes because that uh, kind of goes back to like the, the history of golf. I've kind of gotten big into the history of golf here in the last, I guess, two months since all this pandemic's been going on. Yeah. And, and just going back to like, you know, the original, well, the original courses were just ah, whatever we got for the land. Like, oh, we can put six, six or eight holes here. We can just kind of put something here and that will be, that'll be our course. So I really think it's cool that they just random number. <laughs> I, I too have gotten into a lot of the history just recently. I'm currently listening to the book, the greatest game ever played. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've, you've read that one, but uh, yeah, like when you go back and, and hear the stories of the way they played back in the day and links golf, I've, I've never been across the pond to go play any links golf, but it's, it sounds like it's just a different, a different breed of, of golf, you know, the way, than the way we kind of grew up playing. Yeah, now that's that's been my goal. Now is you got to get over the pond and go play some some true links golf and and see see how I fare because I feel like my game would probably be better that way anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on today. Um, and before we before we get off here, uh, please tell us how we can follow and support all that you're doing for for all these golfers. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the best way would be to just go check out the 18 Strong podcast. Obviously, everybody that's that's listening to this is uh, is a podcast listener. If you're watching on Facebook, we've been doing a lot of live interviews, and so we've been putting those up on our Facebook page as well, so 18 Strong over there. Um, you can pretty much find us at 18strong.com. Everything's everything's linked up over there, and um, we'll put together a, a free resource for, for your listeners, and we'll just do 18strong.com slash G-U-P-P golf under par podcast. Um, and it's, it's a kind of a little giveaway that we put together, like the five biggest mistakes that we see golfers making and, and how they can kind of remedy that. And, uh, so we'll go ahead and I'll, I'll get that, make sure that Ryan gets that set up. He does all the website backend stuff. So I have him get that set up and we'll, uh, we'll put that up for your listeners. Well, thank you so much. That's awesome. So you guys, you heard that. And so we'll get it in the show notes, but sounds like it's going to be 18 strong GUPP for golf under power podcast. That's all I got for today. Thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on again. You guys hopefully found this super helpful. It's great to, to connect with you, Jeff, and we will catch you guys on the flip side. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, if you enjoyed this content, please give us a five star rating on iTunes so that we can get this in front of more people. Thank you. Do you want to take your fitness to the next level? Join our Golf Fitness Tips Facebook group to learn more about how you can improve your fitness and improve your golf game by upping your potential through mobility, strengthening, and wellness tips. Again, our Facebook group is Golf Fitness Tips. We'll see you there. Have a good one.